and welcome to Radio Free Bay Ridge. We have a quick episode for you today, and something that we've wanted to discuss for a long time. I'm Dan, and with me in the studio... I'm Brian, how are you? And Brian is our transit correspondent, in case you haven't heard him in some of the other great episodes. We did a breakdown of last year's MTA ridership numbers for Bay Ridge, so check that out if you haven't already. And today we're going to be talking about this past Tuesday at William McKinley Jr. High School, my alma mater, a bunch of politicians all showed up in Bay Ridge to talk about Vision Zero, pedestrian safety. The mayor was there. May, uh, mayor Bill de Blasio came Whoa, to showed his face. Uh, McKinley Junior High School. <laughs> wow. Was it to announce a new initiative or just to like go over what Vision Zero is? It was billed, I guess, as a bit of a new initiative. Having listened to the press conference and having gone through a good chunk of the report, I would say that it's really more just renewing their commitment to the principles of Vision Zero and pedestrian and road user safety. I don't want to take anything away from that. That's definitely something that I'd like to see more of out of the city government. So what is Vision Zero exactly? Vision Zero is the concept in traffic safety that all deaths that happen on the roads as a result of driving are preventable and can be driven down to zero. Envisioning zero traffic safety deaths. Exactly. The origins of Vision Zero from Europe really put an awful lot of focus on road design and with the idea of making it easy for the driver to make correct decisions that don't result in fatalities. It's been somewhat expanded off from that in the mm. New York City implementation. So for instance, Bill de Blasio's administration He's put a considerable focus on enforcement, or at least he says he puts a considerable <laughs> yeah. uh, emphasis on enforcement. You saw a couple of opportunities uh, given to the mayor in the uh, the question and answer forum to basically throw the whole concept under the bus if he <laughs> wanted to. There was one question mm. in particular. Um, you're talking about changing attitudes for drivers, and I just wanted to ask, what about pedestrians? Now we see a lot of people with... Headphones yeah. on, they're not aware of their surroundings. Are they supposed to take responsibility for that? And what's being done to address that? And I'd like to hear from Chief Chan as well. Sure. Look, let's talk common sense first. Everyone is in this together. And we need everyone to understand that there are dangers and they have to be addressed. So I, I am very concerned about pedestrians who are so caught up in their devices that they don't know what's going on around them. Even more important, we have to educate people a lot more and have a lot more enforcement on folks who are driving while using a device. Every day I see it. So we've got a lot of educating to do everyone. But that being said, the original sin here is quite clear. The vehicles are where the biggest problem is. So among the people that were there, it was Mayor de Blasio. It was DOT Commissioner Polly Trottenberg, mm -hmm. head of the NYPD Transportation Division, uh, Tom Chan. And you also had a few of our local elected officials. Yeah, uh, Matilde was there, I think. Justin, Andrew Gennardis. To different degrees, they have put a focus on pedestrian safety in a way that their predecessors have not. Pam Harris, Alec Procrasny uh, for, for the Assembly yeah. District, completely absent on the issue. Vinny Gentili, I don't want to say that he was absent, but he's also maybe done more to harm the effort than help, particularly when he managed to legalize parking across oh, curb cuts yeah. at T intersections. So now when you're down like near the water, there are a bunch of those intersections that are halfway down the block and a car can park in it for some reason, even though it's curb cut, like it's for wheelchairs to cross. Justin Brandon has been a lot more vocal 
in terms of putting the focus on pedestrian safety from his council seat. And of course, uh, Senator Andrew Gennardis, his predecessor, was <laughs> openly hostile to a lot of pedestrian safety initiatives, right down to the standpoint that his Cadillac was tagged by the speed cameras. Like how many times? I lost track after 14. I would say that Andrew probably had the highest profile role in that session. And I would say that more than the others, Andrew Gennardis ran on pedestrian safety as an issue. Yeah. Wasn't he involved in one of the local street safety groups that's around? He's formed, I think it's the South Brooklyn Pedestrian Safety Task Force. Oh, okay. Um, full disclosure, I'll be a, a member of that task force when it starts meeting nice. uh, at the end of February. Which leads me into what did you think of the whole press conference? So I thought the press conference was positive and I think the, uh, the report is positive. I'd say it's more of a renewal to the principles of driving pedestrian fatalities down to zero as opposed to any new sweeping initiatives. One of the big early successes from the mayor's version of the Vision Zero program was lowering the speed limit citywide. Mm -hmm. So going from 30 miles an hour to 25 miles an hour, people sometimes don't realize what a difference that really does make. So when you slow a car down a little bit, for one thing, if something unexpected happens in front of them, they have more time to react to it. A lot more time. Five miles an hour is not... It gives them a greater opportunity to avoid that collision in the first place. Yeah. Or if the collision does take place, uh, it's going to be at a lower speed than it was before. There have been a number of studies that have shown that you get hit by a car going 25, that's going to hurt a lot, but you have a much greater chance of surviving that collision than you do if a car is going 30 yeah. or 35 or faster. I remember looking at some of that data and being shocked by how much a five mile an hour difference is. I can't imagine 25 miles an hour for the majority of local round trips in a car through residential streets is really increasing your travel time by that much. But it does increase survivability by a massive amount. So one of the things that came out of the report that was issued along with the mayor's press conference at McKinley is the idea that across the different boroughs, they've got different priority areas and priority corridors that mm. they're looking at. They've changed them now a little bit based on changes in crashes and injuries over the past 45 years of his administration. <laughs> yeah. For instance, 65th Street going from uh, Bay Ridge through Sunset through Bensonhurst. Yeah. That used to be a priority corridor. They've taken a look at the crashes there and they've decided that it's not really a priority anymore. So that's been delisted from the city's Vision Zero program. All right. They have added in 8th Avenue through Bay Ridge and Sunset Park, which is oh. that was part of the reason why they held it at McKinley. What does a priority corridor get? So that's where the renewal to their commitments comes in. They would get a number of different treatments. Think about on 86th Street at uh, Fifth Avenue and Fort Hamilton Parkway. Mm. You notice when you're crossing 86, before the light turns green, the walk lights come on. A leading pedestrian interval. It gives the pedestrians a head start across the intersection. Oh, nice. I remember when I was walking through um, Bed-Stuy one time, both lights came on at once, and I started across the street, and a car making a left turn behind me sped up to make that turn once the light turned green, and they nearly collided right into me because I was right in the crosswalk. So if I start before that car, you said to give drivers a better opportunity to make decisions, 
that driver making that turn would probably see me in the crosswalk already before they made that turn. Exactly. You're basically taking conflicts away from the driver. One of the things that you can expect to see on these priority corridors would be those leading pedestrian interval walk lights. If they can do it on all the intersections through an entire corridor, that is what they'll do. You can certainly expect a, a lot more on 86th Street and also 4th Avenue. So something else is that I think you can expect to see more road diets and lane reorganizations in those mm. priority corridors. So as an example, I did an analysis about a year ago on injuries and fatalities on 4th Avenue, comparing uh, 2013, which is when the DOT had come in with some pedestrian safety plans for 4th, yeah. all the way up from 101st Street, all the way up to Barclays. Was that the 4th uh, Avenue road diet proposal? It was. And it was accepted by community boards in Sunset Park and Park Slope. Hmm. And it was rejected by the community board in Bay Ridge. So it was never implemented here. The analysis that I'd done, you could kind of see where the injuries were about the same and actually gone up a little bit in Bay Ridge hmm. uh, from 2013 to 2017, I think, is the period that was coming All right. Out. So we had increases where other areas that had it implemented went down. Exactly. So Sunset Park over that same period, they went down, I think, by about 50%. The caveat that I would put there that's important to note is that Sunset Park was starting from a much, much higher place. Okay. So cutting their injuries by 50% brings them down to about where Bay Ridge was in the first place. Okay. But still see, you know, locally, a lot of people complain about 4th and being able to cross it. But what is a road diet? What would that mean? It starts with the idea that the roads, the way that they're currently configured, allow a lot more capacity than is actually necessary, mm. than actually is being used, and results in people speeding in places where they don't have to or shouldn't, and mm. driving uh, dangerously that way. Just as an example, there's a road diet that's being built as part of a school safety plan on 86th Street out on the Bath Beach and Gravesend area okay. of that street. So what the DOT is planning to do is they're taking the four lanes of 86th Street and they're going to make it two lanes with a center lane that's going to be a left turn bay. Okay. And they're going to have bike lanes on each side of the street as well. Mm -hmm. And they're basically constricting the space for uh, moving car traffic. Part of that analysis is to try to figure out what's going to happen to congestion when you take two lanes of traffic going in one direction and make yeah. it one lane. So the DOT's view is that 700 cars per hour per lane, once you've hit that point, that is a congested lane. And if you work that out, if you do the math, 700 cars is about one car every five to six seconds. So if we want to think about whether 4th Avenue needs two lanes in each direction, do you see a car every four seconds standing to wait to cross 4th Avenue. That, that, would be, that would be one way of looking at it. Part of it is that you would have to count that out over an extended period of time. Yeah. Maybe it's not a full hour that you're doing that. But on the other hand, you can't wait for the green lights and then count the traffic as it's going by because exactly. they are going to come you in bunches. You need to average that out. So if you were to just picture 4th Avenue in your mind's eye, there were no traffic lights at all. Are there so many cars there that you could stand for an hour and every four seconds another car passes in front of you? Are there that many cars? 
So I think you can expect more road diets and lane reorganizations, just from the standpoint that you want to reduce conflicts for the driver as much as possible yeah. so that they're able to make better decisions, sometimes so that they're able to make fewer decisions that might lead to a crash. Yeah. So that's what a lane change does, right? Is instead of having multiple lanes, you just say this lane is for turning. You probably were already using this lane for turning before, but now we're designating it for turning only. So you don't have to worry about whether the lane in front of you is going to be filled with a blocked car making a turn. And it's also part of the justification for taking a road that's, for instance, four lanes and bringing it down to two lanes. If you already know that the traffic volume only warrants having one lane in each direction, why put drivers in situations where they might have to change from one lane to the other, going from left to right or right to left? Now they're in conflict with the other cars that are around them. Maybe they can't see the other cars that are around them. And also having to negotiate with the other road users on bikes, uh, pedestrians, anything like yeah. that. So when you organize the lanes to only the lanes that are needed to get cars from one point to another, it really does help to reduce the number of decisions that a driver can misjudge. So what else other than the lane changes, lead signaling? I think you'll see more political will from the DOT and the mayor to go ahead and implement changes, particularly in terms of road diets, um, that might face some sort of local community opposition. It might come into play here in Bay Ridge. With Community Board 10, they've shown more interest in pedestrian safety issues than they have, say, five years ago or earlier. But you won't necessarily know for sure if there's been a sea change on the board until something actually comes up for a vote. As you move further east in southern Brooklyn, you're going to deal with more community boards that are... Um, a little bit more recalcitrant. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go with more obstructionist. You also have a couple of council members, Colin Yeager and uh, Heim Deutsch, that... Mm are outright hostile to the DOT's attempts to make things slightly more inconvenient for people driving cars in the effort to make things much safer for pedestrians. And for people who are interested in making those avenues, making those streets safer, you know, DOT will bring this to the community boards. You want to look to the community boards when these types of things come up on the agenda and you want to come out and show your support for safer streets. It's really important for Bay Ridgeites to make their voices heard in those forums because I've been to enough meetings where the other thing has happened and these types of safety initiatives end up failing. Learn what these things are in advance. We probably should just do another episode that's an A to Z of all the possible things that we can do to design our roads better for pedestrian safety. All right. I got time next week. <laughs> All right. So actually, Brian, I think that's where we're going to leave it today. We wanted to keep it a little short, but if you are interested in following this kind of stuff, obviously keep on Community Board 10. Look at when they're meeting. There are a couple of local groups that you can join. Breaks, Bay Ridge Advocates for Keeping Everyone Safe, or Bike South Brooklyn, which, full disclosure, me and you kind of spend a little bit of time working on for the cyclists for advocacy. I spend pretty much all of my time on it now. <laughs> and, of course, we're going to try setting up that new episode that's coming out, which will be all about road design and pedestrian safety, so you guys know what to talk about and what to hear and what to demand. 
So if you are interested in that episode or have any suggestions, things we should definitely cover, drop us a line on Facebook. You can drop us a line on Twitter at, at RadioFreeBR. You can obviously go to the website and directly contact us there at RadioFreeBayRidge.org. And hey, until next time, everyone, stay free, Bay Ridge. <laughs>